Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Rangers Review. This time, episode 67. So later on the show, we'll be sharing the history of the Rangers regarding that number. And not a lot of highlights in today's show for games five through eight for the Rangers after what was a scorching hot start for this team and their offense, especially on special teams with Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, and others. Since then, they have done little to nothing on the offensive front. A lot of shots on that, but were those all quality shots? Were those going to get in the back of the net? No. So we're going to be deep diving our raw reactions to the last four games for the Rangers probably towards the end, maybe give a quick preview on the upcoming game starting tomorrow at the time of recording this. This is October 28th. Play to get into, and if we have a decent amount of viewers here on YouTube on the live show for Rangers Review YouTube channel, we'll answer some questions. But I will say the biggest highlight today by far is what I just found out about because, again, my friend doesn't tell me things, and that is Stat Boy Steven's birthday today. So happy birthday to you, Steven, first and foremost. How are you feeling? Thanks. Um, well, how am I feeling? Um, same as every other day. I mean, I reached an age where my birthday doesn't matter that much. Um, this morning uh, at work, we were in a meeting, uh, a global meeting, and my manager mentioned that it was my birthday, and I wish he hadn't because I kept <laughs> receiving like messages on instant messenger, like the internal messaging system they use. Uh, for like half an hour, but you know, yeah. Yeah, it's my birthday. I was I was born in 1984, so I'm 38. I'm way past retirement age for a hockey player. Um, and yeah, I share a birthday with Jack Eichel. So there, there you go. <laughs> you just got to stay healthy. <laughs> you just got to yeah, stay yeah. healthy. <laughs> I'm healthier than Jack Eichel. And that's yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> well, no, but um, no, it was a good day today. Tomorrow we have daylight savings time ending. So I get an extra hour. Nice. Uh, from Saturday to Sunday. And then Monday is a bank holiday here in Ireland. So yeah. Uh, what's, the name the of that? what's the name year? of the holiday? They call it October bank holiday. They, they don't have a fancy name for it. It's October just, bank holiday. What what does that mean? It's just they, they have bank holidays to to make up for the lack of like public holidays they have in this country. Uh, so they add like three random bank holidays throughout the year. You have June, August, and October. So does bank, bank holiday just mean that the banks are closed? Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Okay. Well, today's show, like I said, is not going to be a fun one. Uh, it's definitely not going to be nearly as positive of a discussion. Thankfully for the New York Rangers, as they currently sit 3-3-2 three, three, and two this regular season, there aren't too much things to be concerned about in the long term because, of course, anything can change for them. They're only two points out of first in the division. Not like it matters at all at this point in the season. But with that being said, with key injuries to Filipino that we'll get into later in the show, on the lack of the depth in the Rangers' bottom six right now is clearly showing and from the offensive side, from the Chris Kreider's, the Mika's Banjads, if you're not named Artemi Panarin, you really haven't been doing too much for this team from an offense production standpoint over these past four games. So instead of us usually breaking down what would be, you know, our raw reactions and analysis to each of those games, instead, we're just going to share our raw reactions to the Rangers as a whole right now because there's been a lot of similarities. I mean, Steven, we forgot to do, if you guys don't know here on this show, we usually get predictions towards the end of the show on the upcoming games for the Rangers before we record next, what we think the record's going to be. And thankfully, Steven and I forgot to do that in our first episode of the season because the Rangers didn't even muster one win. So as we jokingly go back and forth and say, oh, you get the title, I get the title, we pretend that we have like a WWE belt on our chest, whoever wins each week. It doesn't matter right now when the Rangers go 0-2-2. So, Steven, I'm going to throw it back to you. Just let me hear it. What is your biggest concern, at least for the short term right now, regardless of Filipino's current injury in which he's not on the road trip for the Rangers and they're back-to-back upcoming against both the Dallas Stars and the Arizona Coyotes? Let me just hear it. What What is going on with this Rangers team? Because they look like a complete opposite of what they once were to start this regular season. Yeah, I think... What really stands out when you look back at those first four games, um, 
the, the home opener against Tampa Bay, they win 3-1. They play a really good game. Nothing to really complain about there, you know. You go up against a team that eliminated you in the playoffs, so you maybe are a little bit more motivated to get that W. They do. They, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-1. It wasn't easy, though. They needed a power play goal, a shorthanded goal, and then a deflection. So Vasilevsky didn't give up any bad goals that game. Next up, you go to Minnesota uh, to play the Wild, a game that last season you lost handedly. I think it was 6-2. Yeah, they, they haven't fared well in Minnesota in recent years, if I'm not mistaken. You beat them 7-3, and at first glance, you're like, oh, this is a great win for us. But then you you remember that they have a, they have a 12.6 million in cap penalties this year. They had to trade away, uh, what was his name, Kevin Fiala to L.A. To, to, to free up cap space. Yep. This is not the same team the Minnesota Wild had last year. Yeah, a lot of the players are the same, but their depth has, has taken a significant hit. Um, so winning 7-3 is nice. You put seven past Marc-Andre Fleury, which doesn't happen often. But the Minnesota Wild, let me actually look up what their record is right now. Because uh, that's that's one thing I wanna I wanna go into a little later. Um, like early in the season, the, the teams we're playing are not having a good record. Like the Minnesota Wild lost their first three games to start the season, all three at home. They lost to the LA Kings, they lost to the Avalanche. Okay, you can lose that one. They lost to the Bruins in overtime, they, and then they beat the Canucks, the Canadians, and the Senators. But there's a theme here where the teams we beat are probably, we think they're better than they actually are. Same with the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks have some exciting players up front in McCavish and Zegras and Troy Terry. Ryan Strom. Uh, Ryan Strom, uh, Frank Vetrano, who, according to Sam Rosen, scored twice in that game uh, <laughs> for both teams. Um, and yeah, you, you beat the Anaheim Ducks, you score six goals, but you can see four. And that was really, like the Winnipeg Jets game, you lose 4-1, that happens, you know. Uh, Hellebuck stole that game for them. The Rangers First back to played, back of the year too. The Rangers played well that game. I'm not putting that on uh, on Halak, but the Anaheim Ducks game, despite the win, was probably a red flag. You give up four goals, and then you have the San Jose Sharks with David Quinn coming into your building, and you lose to them in overtime. That overtime goal was absolutely terrible. That Adam I think Fox, that was the worst overtime sequence I've ever witnessed yeah, as a Rangers yeah. fan. Adam Fox was terrible in that overtime, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, the Rangers fall short in overtime, lose 3-2, and oddly enough, David Quinn got his first win as a Rangers coach in the Rangers-Sharks game at the Garden, and now he got his first win as a Sharks coach, again, in the Rangers-Sharks game at the Garden. Wow, that's funny. So, uh, I think both in overtime, too. Um and then you go up against Columbus with Daniil Tarasov in net. You have to score more than twice. And the only goal you score is a five-on-three where – an unassisted five-on-three goal where Panarin just snipes it. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a, a good five-on-three power play. It was, yep. it was atrocious. Then Colorado Avalanche at home, all things considered, the fact that Hedl was out, the fact that, you know, you, you play with, uh, with Halak in net – to take the Stanley Cup champions and the best team in the world to overtime in your own building after you lost 8-3 to them a year ago at home. Uh, all things considered, I'll take that. And to uh, score late to tie it as well. You know, Jimmy Vesey with a nice setup to Adam Fox. I mean, yeah. the Rangers got some late scoring one needed in that game. And it, again, it sucks that they lost, but that was yeah. easily the most encouraging game of the four that it was, it was. And and also when you take into account that that second goal by Colorado came off a once in a career time mistake by Shush Jorkin. I, that was, if that was Henrik Lundqvist, you're like, ah, here we go again. Igor, you don't see this. The difference with Henrik Lundqvist is that he handles the puck like a hot potato (laughs) and Igor Shush Jorkin actually does something with the puck. So for all the thousand times he plays the puck and does something useful with it, the one time at least we'll go against, yeah, it hurts. It sucks. But I'm not going to crucify the guy for making a mistake when he handles the puck this often. This if is all, if only you could bet on uh, yeah. Igor Shesterkin playing the puck and yeah. mishandling, my God, you're coming out a millionaire that game. Yeah. If that was the case. Is, <laughs> this is the same with uh, puck-moving defensemen always leading the league in turnovers, like Eric Carlson, yeah. Brent Burns. They always lead the league in turnovers. Why? Because they always have the puck. 
Uh-huh. I think a turnover per 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 minute of possession would be a lot would be a, a much better indicator of how many times a player turns over the puck. Um, and same for the goalie. I mean, how often does the goalie play the puck like in in the defensive zone? So not behind the net, but only in front of the goal. Yep. Then you divide that by the number of times they cause a turnover. And I think Shashjorkin then looks really good because he plays the puck so often that the one time that it actually goes wrong, yeah, it looks really bad, but it's only one. He's like another forward out there. I mean, the way that that he sets up long passes, especially on power play, it's huge. It's like like the Rover in like the 1920s and 1930s. Six skater. Uh, but yeah, you lose to Colorado. It sucks, and then you go, you go into. Wait, wait, wait. There's one. There's one key aspect about that game that you're missing. Alexander Georgiev. Yeah, like... look, <laughs> look, and and Georgiev gets a lot of hate from his fan base. And as a backup, he wasn't great. But last year, December, we saw what Georgiev can do as a starter. Georgiev is a type of goalie that plays better with rhythm. If he plays regularly, his performance goes up. He had, if I remember correctly, a, nine, a 0.947 save percentage in the month of December when Shashjorkin was out with an injury. That's the Georgiev you get when you use him as a starter. Georgiev as a backup is a completely different story. I think the Colorado Avalanche have a better go- goalie situation now than they did last season. And that's scary because the Colorado Avalanche won the cup last season. But what really stood out to me, I'm going to say one last thing about Colorado here. Colorado did what I actually suggested the Rangers should do uh, last season when Lundqvist was still on the team. The Colorado Avalanche had a power play unit with three defensemen. They had Bowen Byram, Devon Taves, and Samuel Girard, I think, on the power play unit. They have a lot of really good puck moving defensemen. That's you're not even including Kale McCarr. You just no, but yeah, but Kale McCarr was on the first unit. This was the second unit, and they actually used the second unit for more than 15 seconds, which is also nice to see. But their puck moving defensemen are so good that they give you a better chance on the power play than the forwards you have that are not on the first unit. So it, it throws the whole argument out the window in terms of you know can you have more than one or two puck moving defensemen. The Avalanche are showing that if they're good enough, then yes, you can. Uh, so that was really refreshing to see. But then you go into UBS Arena to play the Islanders, and it felt like the Islanders were coached by Barry Trotz again. Funny That's- funny how Barry Trotz has come out and said that if he's going to coach again, it'll be for original 16. Yeah, so it's going to be either the Rangers or the Maple Leafs because the other four teams just hired a new coach. It ain't going to be the Rangers. I don't so see that. It's going to be the Leafs then. I don't think Galan's going to be on. I don't think Galan's on the hot seat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, you lose four in a row. It, it sucks. Panarin uh, without a point in back to back games. Panarin has only gone three games without a point once as a Ranger. Only once. So let's see how he does tomorrow when we play the Dallas Stars. Now, of course, we play the Dallas Stars with Nils Lundqvist and the following day, the Arizona Coyotes with Patrick Nemeth. Um, and everyone's talking about oh, former Rangers always score on us, but so Dryden Hunt didn't. So there is something to be said. Yeah, and and here's the thing with Dryden Hunt, right? Dryden Hunt was a waiver pickup. The, the Rangers put him on waivers, and the Colorado Avalanche claimed him. And I saw some Ranger fans on social media say, "Oh, I cannot believe we put him on waivers when the best team in the league is going to claim him." Yeah, but the only way the best team in the league, because it's prior to November first, so the waiver order is based on last season standings. The only way the Colorado Avalanche can claim him is if it's 29 other teams say no. Yeah. So you're talking about 29 teams looking at Dryden Hunt and say, we don't need him. And the only reason Colorado said, yes, we take him, is because they are with, without Gabriel Landeskog for another six weeks, I think. He had knee surgery in the offseason. He'll be back soon. But look, Dryden Hunt hasn't even played seven minutes in a game for the Colorado Avalanche. I think his time is like 6.45, 6.32, and then four minutes, 50 seconds. So it's not like Dryden Hunt is a contributing factor on a Colorado Avalanche team that's doing well. Um, and, you know, sometimes you lose players through waivers. Uh, the last time the, the Rangers lost lost a player through waivers during the season was Josh Juris in, I think, 2016. Holy shit! 
I haven't heard that name in a while. Wow. We've lost Mason Gibson and Jared Tenorti like before the season started, but a midseason oh, player oh. lost through waivers. You have to go back to 2016 for Josh Juris. And, and I think 2014 for Jeff Halper. And speaking of, you know, extra defensemen, the Rangers have officially signed Ben Harper to a contract. Yeah, Ben Harper. I, I think Ben Harper is going to be a decent for the Hartford Wolfpack. He's more the Jared Tenorti replacement. Of course, Tenorti was claimed Correct. in the offseason by the Chicago Blackhawks. They need a replacement in Hartford for, the, for that guy. So Ben Harper, who was already on a tryout with the Wolfpack, signed a one-year NHL deal. He cleared waivers today so he can play for the Wolfpack now. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to impact the Rangers much. You know, the Rangers have their their six defensemen with Hayek and Jones rotating in and out at the moment. What What has your take been on that? Before we get into more on the offense, because I want that to be the bulk of the discussion for today's show. What has your take been on, you know, Hayek's play over the last times he's been out there? Of course, Jones didn't have nearly the best game. I think that's an understatement the last time that he was out there prior to, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hayek then coming in for the next two games. What has been your overall take? Has it been the same exact as it was to start the year, or do you understand Gallant's thought process a little bit more here? I think um, defensively, there's not much difference between Hayek and Jones. Um, But I think Jones plays a more dangerous style offensively. He moves the puck well, and I still think you need that on every pair. On every defensive pair, you you need a guy that can move the puck. On the top pair, it's Fox. On the second pair, it's Miller. And on the third pair, it was Jones. Uh, it could have been – it was Lundqvist last season when he played with Nemeth. Uh, but Jones caused some turnovers, granted. There's no denying that. And I think sitting Jones for a game or two makes sense. But to do it in the third game of the season, I think is a bit, bit much. To, to do it, I think this is like three games he played now out of eight. Uh, I don't think there. I don't think Hayek is good enough to warrant scratching your young, promising defenseman in Zach Jones. And speaking of young, promising defensemen, let's turn to the guy that's paired on the other side, and Braden Schneider. What has yeah. been on him so far through these eight games? I think Braden Schneider has been okay. I think defensively he had some lapses, but that's. That's understandable for a guy his age. I think he turned 22 uh, last month. Uh, so he's still young. Um, he gets a very long leash from this coaching staff, which yeah. I like. I like the fact that he doesn't have to worry about getting healthy scratch for making a mistake. I just wish the other young players got the, got the same treatment. It seems like there's a clear bias with the size, is there not? I mean, there's always a bias, you know, regardless of what the bias is. Some players always get more credit than others. I just wish that, especially last season, a guy like Alexi Lafreniere had as much credit as Braden Schneider seemingly has this year. Because I think with that kind of credit, he wouldn't have to worry. He wouldn't be as cautious. And we we may have seen more out of him because... Confidence is everything, especially with these young kids. Um, but yeah, Schneider, I like Schneider. I uh, it's I have to get used to that new number though, number four. That's uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I still have to get used yeah. to it as well. Um, but okay, so let let's let's piggyback a little bit here to why the Rangers have fallen o two and two over the past four games and. While these games weren't complete blowouts aside from Columbus, I mean, just for them to perform the way that they did against Columbus was uh, discouraging. From the jump, I wasn't happy with what I was seeing from that Ranger team, and Columbus just looked like a team that wanted more. You saw those similar aspects in the Rangers' performance or lack thereof in their last loss to the New York Islanders on the road, even though, you know, it's basically home still, right? Um, So when I evaluate this offense, they have 40 plus shots in their past two games. They outshot Columbus. I believe again, I could be wrong. I think it was like 31 to 21, almost a 10 shot difference in that loss where Columbus scored five goals. And then the only, the only game of the four that the Rangers were outshot was surprisingly enough, the game against the sharks where again, they didn't look too sharp. There was clearly some issues going on with this team from defensive miscues to offense. just not looking in as unison as you'd expect. It's like, 
it's there's always that cliche saying of teams that tend to play down to lesser opponents, especially a Sharks team that was entering that matchup 0-5, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. But you could clearly tell that the Rangers have that type of aspect. Maybe not so much with the mindset, but it showed in their production, again, lack thereof on the ice. So from evaluating this offense as a whole, I view this as, okay, we have a major issue. Because with Filipino out right now on injury, you can clearly tell that's hurting this bottom six. I mean, there's no denying it. Hedl has been looking really, really sharp for the Rangers to start the year. Pretty much the exact same thing that he was looking like, maybe to a slight lesser degree, if not better, than how he was performing in playoffs for the Rangers. This guy's taking a new step in his game as a young player who's been on this Rangers roster for quite a while now, as hard as it is to believe, as he's still in his early 20s. But he'd a lot with injury. Again, he's not on the road trip, so you're still not going to see him back for a couple games here. This bomb six concerns me, and this is something that was expected. Should guys, one, produce not as advertised, and two, injuries occurring for a Rangers team that also doesn't have the depth right now through, say, the AHL from an offensive standpoint. I mean, maybe you want to give Bobby Trevino a try, but that's a big question mark. You know, Jimmy VC has been in and out of the lab, has been in every game to start the year. He's looked solid at times. Again, looks solid in that game to get that set up for Fox against the Avalanche. But from a bottom six standpoint, there are some clear red flags with this team, not only from an offensive production, but also just with their back check. I mean, this team as a whole, after start off so red hot, you saw them give up a couple goals there to Anaheim, right? You saw them give up a couple to Minnesota. The defensive miscues were there from both a back checking and a overall defensive uh, standpoint, but they were overlooked to an extent as a fan because you're seeing them score seven and six goals apiece in each of those games. So it's it's easier to brush aside when it isn't say the prettiest win because you're you're just you're not not netting goals. They just keep happening. And then going from Heedle and his absence and how much that has hurt this team in the short term, then you look at the top six, Chris Kreider. Kreider's, I mean, he's he's been underwhelming to me to start the year, not so much with the lack of goal scoring, just his opportunities. He doesn't, I knew that a fall-off would be inevitable for someone like him after having a career-high season. No chance in hell he gets 50 goals again this year, let alone ever in his career. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. We all knew that last year was his Adam Graves year, and that's why it was that great to see the Rangers have a pretty deep run with him, all things considered, in the playoffs. But Kreitz has looked underwhelming. I mean, Mika has not looked as great as of late with at least getting those goals. The Rangers look a little too predictable, in my opinion, with how their setups are. It seems like teams are catching on quick, especially on the power play and what to expect. I mean, we all know how predictable it is when you have Alexander Ovechkin in that left dot, right, for the Washington Capitals. Yet, teams still still do not know how to properly defend against it because Ovi is a one-of-a-kind goal scorer. A little bit of a different type thing going on here when you have the likes of Mika Zibanejad. Yes, he's known in that left dot. But you see it clear as day, so you can tell that teams are starting to get better looks on the power play that when which they're on the penalty kill. And then from a five-on-five five standpoint, a lot of guys are looking underwhelming. I mean, Capo Caco has had some really nice flashes, some great opportunities. We just saw the other night. Uh, it wasn't against the Islanders, I, I don't believe. It was a game before that. Um, and he just split the D, made him made him look silly. He almost pulled a McDavid. I mean, he, he was very close to scoring a beautiful goal. And you can tell that Kako's progression as a forward is certainly there, as is Alexi Lafreniere. But when this team is not getting things going their way early with the goal scoring, they just seem like they don't know how to properly respond. I mean, you you don't score more than two goals in any of the past four games. That's not a good look. So the the issue for me is that the Rangers don't have just an ice-cold offense right now. They have some clear defensive miscues as well. I mean, let, let's be frank here. Adam Fox has not looked stellar every single game. That would be the farthest thing from the truth if I said that. I mean, there's been a lot of aspects about this team that have been the opposite of consistent, and it's just it's kind of mind-boggling, again, after them to be a scoring machine through the first four to, you know, not even know just how to probably get – not I shouldn't say get the puck on that, but getting these quality shots, they've been too cute with it plenty of times with their passing plays. So – let me hear let me hear you expand a bit on all that I had to say there on this team and their lack of production right now. Yeah, I think there's there's uh, there's a significant difference in the first four games and then the second four games when it comes to the power play. 
in the first four games against the Lightning, the Wild, the Jets, and the Ducks, the Rangers scored five power play goals on 14 attempts. That's that's pretty good. That's that's over 35%. Um, the last four games, they had one power play goal on 15 attempts, and that was a five on three. So the Rangers have not scored a five on like a five on four one man advantage power play goal on on fifteen attempts. The only power play goal they got was a, was a five on three. It's just not good enough. And what concerns me is that the power play is so static. They try the same thing every time. And you mentioned Ovechkin. Ovechkin has been trying the same thing for fifteen years. But the reason it works is because if you don't cover Ovechkin. Or if you if you if you if you want to cover Ovechkin, you have to leave a guy like Oshie wide open or Nicholas Backstrom in the past. The Rangers on the power play don't have another player that really shoots the puck the way the way Zibanejad does. You have Kreider who's there for the deflections. Fox and Panarin are elite passers, but they don't really shoot on the power play. And Trocek down the middle isn't really creating them enough for opponents to be worried about them. And the last four games, uh, maybe it's just a coincidence that it happened in these four games, but it looks like opponents have figured out how to stop the power play. And my biggest concern with this team and an extension, the, the coaching staff is there doesn't seem to be a plan B. When things don't work out, they go out there and try the same thing over and over again. In one of the Twitter spaces a few days ago, I referred to Gerard Galland uh, jokingly as a Harlem Globetrotters coach. And what I mean by that is he coaches the team in a way where he just, he just goes, go out there, have fun, play the way you play. And that's great the first year. It, the, the first year in Florida, the first year in Vegas, players respond to that really well. But it, there doesn't seem to be a plan B. There doesn't seem to be an adjustment when things don't go his way. And the other thing I noticed, when you look at coaches like Rod Brindamore, they use, so when you play at home in the NHL, you have the advantage of the last change. So every time there's a face-off, the opponent has to- Yeah, you to, bring this up a lot. Yeah, the visiting team has to put their, 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 their five guys out first. And then as the home team, you get to respond to that. A guy like Rob Brindamore uses this to his advantage. He creates mismatches. Gallant doesn't seem to do that. If you look at the uh, Montreal Canadiens, uh, who is the guy who runs the power play there? Alexandre Burroughs, who played for the Canucks in the past. Yes, I, and I despised him as a player. <laughs> uh, me too. Uh, but he said something interesting about a year and a half ago when he was interviewed and asked about the power play in Montreal. I, I know said, what you're going to say. Go and he said, we, we don't treat it as a first and second unit. We try to create a matchup that we think is is most beneficial. And this is the thing that I, I wish I could see a little bit more of when it comes to Gallant. When you have a power play at home, um, so, sometimes it pays off to put your second unit out there first. Put guys like Kako and Lafreniere and Truba and Jones, if he's playing, and Hedl or Kraftsoff or Gudra, whoever's on that second unit, put them out there first against their first PK unit. Because they have to put the guys out first. If they put their first unit out, you put your second power play unit out. And then by doing so, you don't even have to have success in the first 30 seconds. It's the moment the puck is cleared, they go for a change. That's when you put your top guys out there. And then you let your top guys do what they do best against their second choice penalty killers. And that's what I want to see. That that kind of ingenuity is, is what's missing from from this team, it seems. And I'm not saying that that is a recipe for success and like guaranteed we're going to score more goals because truth is we still have to be better five on five. This is also something that we talked about last season. Um, but I think there's definitely some creativity, some outside the box thinking that's missing here. Yeah, and, and I see that. And it's funny because you mentioned the Globetrotters, um, you know, aspect, if you will. And us as Ranger fans, we enjoy the fact that Gallant does, in a lot of ways, allow this Rangers team to flow the way that you expected them to versus what you say got under David Quinn. It felt a lot more strict. I mean, there were a lot of things that weren't going right during his tenure um, with the Rangers. And 
One thing that is similar but different at the same time is Elaine Vigneault's time as head coach for the Rangers because he was someone that was the opposite of having a willingness to change. I mean, that that is exactly why Elaine Vigneault's tenure with the Rangers ended what it did. It sparked early, and then it quickly spiraled over the years with the Rangers just not knowing how to properly adjust, especially yeah. when it came to playoff time. Difference being, though, is that while those lack of adjustments may have similarities between then-Rangers coach and now-Rangers coach, A.V.'s thought process, his viewpoint on the team, definitely felt different. There was still more of a strict aspect he didn't come off as a type that was as loosey-goosey in my opinion as what we get with Gallant you know especially with the younger kid because look Gallant has been giving opportunities to Alexi Lafreniere and Capococco it's not like they're not game playing time they are and that's phenomenal to see but to your point you can tell that when this team is off to say a rough start or they give up a bad goal like right at the end of the period or right to start they just look flustered I they're I'm not overly concerned. And again, I'm not here trying to, you know, preach the choir that all oh, the Rangers season is doomed. That's over. No, no. Okay. No. The Rangers are in their first of what is going to be many rough patches in a normal 82 game regular season. This type of thing happens. And at least we can be grateful that the Rangers didn't lose these four games in regulation or else it really would have hurt more. It's always nice to have that extra point, even though I find it silly a little bit as is, but my overall takeaway from the Rangers' performance right now is I think not having this depth is something where if it gets exposed more going forward, say, hypothetically, heatles out longer than we expected. Again, I don't expect that to be, be the case, nor do I want to. Or let's say the Rangers deal with more injuries in their bomb six. This is something that we could see the Rangers teeter with having their absent flows of a normal season, but up and down, decent amount, in the first half of the year, up until the trade in line, Biggest problem is that they don't have that same type of cap cushion like they did at last year's trade deadline. So while I expect Chris Drury to get creative and make some moves, to what extent we'll worry about then. But for now, I think the big thing is making sure that Hedl gets healthy and getting this team back in its normal flow on how they were looking great. Because I think I think people are quickly realizing, I hope so, at least just how damn good of a player Philip Hedl is. I mean, not having him in the lap right now is hurting this team. I don't see how you view things any other way. He gives you a lot more depth than what you currently have right now, the center or wing position. And the kids feel comfortable with him. The vets feel comfortable with him. And he himself looks like he's playing the best hockey of his career. So he's someone that I really hope returns from injury as soon as their away trip is done. Um, but one final tidbit that I wanted to discuss with you, Stephen, is Julian Gauthier returning to the lineup. We saw him. You know, he had a nice look to start the game against the Islanders. He did the very Julian Gauthier-esque going down the right side. Couldn't score the goal, but he did get the shot off. So I will commend him for that. It wasn't like he completely missed the net or something. Julian Gauthier didn't look bad by any stretch, but he also looks the exact same too. So with Vitaly Kratsov now back on the Rangers, uh, coming back from his upper body injury, whatever that was, Injuries have been an ailment for Vitaly to start the year. Injuries have been a problem for him in his young career. Um, dealing, with, uh, dealing with physicality at the NHL level hasn't necessarily been his strongest suit. Um, so let me know, in your opinion, who do you feel deserves to be gaining more playing time with the assumption that Vitaly's fully healthy now for the next, let's say, at least next week or so games? And two, who do you expect to get more playing time? So give me your personal opinion and what do you expect a lot to do? Yeah, look, Kravtsov has not been off to a good start. Let's, let's be clear here. I don't think he should have made the team with the way he was playing in preseason, but he did, which is ironic because a year ago we had the same discussion and it was the exact opposite. He deserved to make the team and he didn't. Um, Kravtsov has not been good. Um, and it doesn't help that he goes down with an injury in his first shift of the season against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So there's some extenuating circumstances, but still, he has not been, he has not met expectations. What, what, uh, when he's played, he has, what has he done that's, you know, been encouraging, right? I'd say, I'd say the only play that, that there's a play that I would like to point out here um, on the Adam Fox goal against Colorado. Okay. Adam Fox pushes McKinnon off the puck in his own zone. Yeah. Skates up the ice. Kravtsov uh, at the end of a shift, 45 seconds on the ice, he skates towards the net. He crashes the net. 
Devon Taves is clearing him away from the crease to be behind the net. And that opens up the middle for VZ to pass to Fox. Now, okay. I'm not saying that with this one play, Kravtsov has redeemed himself, but it is... Oh, yeah, he's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> it is worth pointing out that, that he was definitely involved on that on that goal, okay, even fair. though he did not get an assist. Okay. So, but then Julian Gauthier comes in, and his first or second shift of the game, he has a breakaway. He doesn't score, but even if he doesn't score, you know what he does? He shifts momentum in your yeah. favor. He creates offensive zone pressure with the way he plays with and without the puck. He drew a penalty. We didn't score on the power play, but still, you draw a penalty. That's a positive impact on the game. Julian Gauthier has a bigger positive impact on the game than Vitaly Kravtsov right now. And if I had to choose between the two for tomorrow's game against Dallas, I would play Gauthier over Kravtsov. So we talked about this off air for people that obviously don't know, which is all of you. And I asked Stephen, like, already this question and he said oh you, you know what my answer is going to be and i didn't i thought you were going to go with kratzov so i'll be son of a bitch the man with the kratzov jersey behind him is like no we're going go even though actually you both you have both those jerseys i'm focusing there's, on there's no kratzov jersey behind me for today, yeah you have a kratzov jersey behind you that's in like a frame and then you have goatee oh, yeah, no, there yeah. yeah they're at the back i forgot about oh that. you didn't even know see i know uh, but then you got the Gautier jersey as well, which is fitting for today's episode. But I tend to, I obviously agree with you. I mean, Gautier again didn't look like he was discouraging in many ways. Just his ability to make a potential impact, to swing mm-hmm. the game early on is important. But so, something, and again, I'm not going to really pinpoint him much right now. I think it just comes down to this team as a whole, right? I mean, when you look at this forward group and you look at this defensive group, I just want to see them more in unison, especially towards the end of that Islanders game. Am I wrong to say that it just like they just looked like that they were almost lost? Like one, the second goal that they gave up to, where was the defensive yeah. coverage? So nowhere yeah. to be seen. Um, you know, um, I get it's a back to back, but still, it's early in the yeah. season. This know, isn't yeah. playoffs. You know, and why are we getting this lackadaisical play this early? I know it's I know it's a back to back, but you play at home against Colorado, and then you play on the road against the Islanders. Yeah, it's not like it, on a plane. It's not even like travel is an issue. <laughs> you know, you get you get out. I mean, as a fan, you get on the Long Island Railroad and you're there. Yep. It's really not that much. You sleep in your own bed before the game. Yep. There's no hotels. You know, it's it's a home game. It's it's essentially a home game. Same with when when you play against the Devils in New Jersey. You yes. sleep in your own bed the day of the game. It's a home game. Um, but what I'll say about Gautier is, uh, you were talking earlier about, you know, reinforcements from the AHL. Um, Gautier is the barometer now for players in, in Hartford on what they have to do to get a call. up. Good point. If as a forward, you want to, you want to get a call up, you need to play better than Julian Gautier is doing in Hartford. It's that simple. And people and he was people looking good to see, start the year in Hartford, too. Yeah, people want to see Will Cooley. People want to see Gustav Riedel. People want to see Bobby Trevino. I want to see them, too. But Julian Gauthier, with the NHL experience, with the way he plays, too, I, I agree that he was the first call-up when they needed a forward. And there, there, I'm not going to argue there. And he proved it. You know, he played 10 minutes, 44 seconds, but he drew a penalty. He created offense. It may not have resulted in a goal, but... He's at least he's at least creating a spark, and Kraftsoff hasn't really done that yet. Um, I know Kraftsoff's back now. Uh, hopefully, he can play a game without getting injured. Um, but yeah, the entire bottom six has been underwhelming. You know, you, you talk about Ryan Reeves, uh, Ryan Carpenter, Semi Blay, Barkley Goudreau, uh, uh, Jimmy Vesey. Aside from Philip Hedo in the bottom six before he went out with a head injury. No one in that bottom six has really started. Goudreau has two goals. You know, he's he's had some moments. So maybe I should exclude him from this. But when we went to the Stanley Cup final in 2014, our fourth line was Brian Boyle, Dominic Moore, and Derek Dorsett. That is a fourth line that you can win with. And I like Ryan Reeves. I like the energy he brings to the team. But on the ice, there's just not enough that I'm seeing from him. Same with Ryan Carpenter. That fourth line, and this is another thing with Gerard I was just going to mention both Carpenter and Sammy Blay, you know? 
all yeah. these guys. And and I know they had an, an assist after both both had an assist on the Goudreau goal. Great. I still don't think that the Goudreau goal against uh, Colorado. I still don't think that they bring enough offensively that you can actually get something out of the fourth line. And what frustrates me is that the game against the Islanders, there's six minutes left in the game. You're down to nothing. You need two goals to tie it. Not two goals to win it, two goals to even tie it. And the fourth line's out there with six minutes to go. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? How Haven't we seen so many spurts of the fourth line not playing for like a good portion of a period? So to see that with only six minutes left, I can understand how it's disheartening. If you need a goal, I don't want to see Ryan Reeves out there. I'm sorry. If you, you know, are defending a lead, if you need a spark in the middle of the second period, then throw Ryan Reeves out there and make something happen. You but know, with six, pains me. Go, but with the six minutes to go and two goals down, that's not the line you should go with as a coach. I'm sorry. There, there's one guy that would really, really be nice for this Rangers fourth line right now. Don't say Tyler Mott. Man, does it suck to not have him? I know. It really, does. I know. He, I know. He's he he was so much better than you could have ever imagined. He he was he was the perfect. He was perfect. Like there's there's nothing there's nothing more to say. He was exactly what you would want uh, yeah. for your fourth line that can be on the penalty kill. Can actually pre- like he he's not an offensive stud, but the guy knows what the hell he's doing when he enters the offensive zone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Damn, that's that's all I gotta say. I've I've been rooting for the centers hard in part just for Mott's success. I really like him. Yeah, Mottawa. Mottawa. <laughs> Are they playing tonight? I gotta check. I've been betting on the centers lately, and I've been winning. So the Mottawa see. Senators. Let's see if they play tonight. I'm curious. Um, they do not. Okay. No. They play tomorrow. Tonight we have. Well, they play the Panthers tomorrow, so who knows how that uh, game's gonna go. Hurricane have, versus oh, the Islanders. Uh, tomorrow we have, or tonight, sorry, tonight because it says three thirty a.m. See, this is a bit confusing living in Europe. Sometimes it says tomorrow, but it's like right after midnight, so that means it's tonight's game. The old Jets against the new Jets. Ooh. Coyotes Jets. Yep. That's a game I won't be watching. <laughs> <laughs> Hurricane, oh, wow. Hurricanes versus Islanders. I will live bet on that one. And then Canucks Penguins. I mean, an orca destroys a penguin in real life, but unfortunately, that doesn't it doesn't work like that in hockey. It would be nice if we saw a JT Miller Hatcher. I still think it's hilarious that in a division with ferocious animals like sharks and and orcas and a kraken, there's a team called the Ducks. Well, you know how it started, obviously. I know, I know. Yeah. I, know. I think it's just, I think it's just funny that you know, you name your team the Ducks, like it's a really cute name. And then you're in a division with all these like like predators, you know. I mean, I gotta say the Canucks name too. They're they're. I love the Orca, but the actual what a Canuck is. Oh, I'm supposed to be intimidated by a wild Canadian. Like what else is? It's literally. It's it's all it is. It's just it's, it's it's literally like that's all it is. Could be worse, <laughs> maybe, maybe if he has an axe in his hand, which is I mean, possible. They could have done that. That could have been that could have been really cool for a Halloween theme jersey. They have the Canuck mm-hmm. uh you know skating, but they have an axe in his hand. That looked a little cool. But there's a team in Ottawa that's named after politicians, so it could be worse. That's that's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? I don't think there's really much else that needs to be said here. Let, let's answer a question or two if we got in the live show, and then we'll wrap things up with uh, the number 67. Does that sound good with you? Sounds good. Oh, should we do our predictions now too? For Yeah, let's do our predictions. Okay, let's, let's do that really, really quick. I'm still happy that we didn't do them last week. I don't know when we'll record next. Like, I, I genuinely do not know um, the exact day. I um, would say if we record next week – Thursday, then we have three, four, uh, three games to predict. I don't want to do the next Thursday though, because that's the day of a game. Uh, Friday then. Okay, we'll try. We'll try for Friday. We'll try for Friday. All right, so let, let's we'll do it every four games. We'll we'll try to base it off of that. No, no wait, I I can Friday. I'm going out to dinner with uh, with Catherine on Friday. Okay, 
Um, is she coming down? Uh, Wednesday, she's landing in Dublin. Okay. So, hmm. you know, we 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 can just we can just predict the next eight games, and whenever we record, we make no, 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 not not next date. Let's let's do the next. Let's do the next five. four. Four. That's, we'll that's figure that. We'll we'll do the next four because we we'll either try to record on Wednesday after the Flyers game, or maybe early Friday before you go to dinner. To pay on okay. early. So, yeah. So if we do after the Bruins game, it's the sixth. Yeah. So we can do Friday or Saturday then, because the Rangers play next on Sunday. Yeah, I might be out of town though. All right, we'll see. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll try to make Let, it work. Let's let's just let's just for the fun of it predict the next four games, okay? All right. So you got back to back Dallas and Arizona, then so Flyers. We'll go first. The winner of last season. Do I go first? Were you the winner of last season? <laughs> I, I don't know. We haven't kept tallies like that. Write it's it down. To will, to will it into existence. But maybe this season we should actually keep score until the end of the season. We should. Write write it down right now, though, okay? All right. Um, all right. Uh, you're the birthday boy, so if you you decide who goes first. You can go first. It'll be, it'll be your birthday gift to me. Okay. And I hope you suck at the prediction. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go. Two, one, and one. Oh, damn it. <laughs> All right, two, one, and one. And I am going to also go with. Eleven goals. You go with eleven goals, then I'll go with twelve. I'll take the over. Okay. All right, all done. What was your prediction? Did you say? It? Oh, uh, sorry, three one and zero. Oh. Okay. All right. Cool. I hope. I wanted that. to go two one and one, but I hope. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. I let I um, let you go first. So. All right. Let, let's answer a question or two before we wrap things. Let me see here. Um, if you guys got any questions, we'll answer a couple before we get out of here. Uh, let's see here. How long till we move on from Gallant? I mean, that's pretty. I would say it's pretty long still. I don't. I don't. I, I, I have a prediction based on uh, historic data. Just Gallant, on Rangers history is what you're saying. Historically, Gallant always gets fired midway through his third season. Okay. In Columbus, Florida, and in Vegas, he got fired midway through his third season. So we're probably looking at January 2024. We'll come back to you in January 2024. We'll see how what happens by then. Um, a lot of people giving you happy birthday shouts, by the way, Stephen. Here Thanks, on YouTube, everyone. at least. Um, do we want to trade for Kane? I don't. I mean, considering the Rangers really can't afford it, even if they wanted to right now. No, I, I just I want the Rangers to acquire players that they think will be best for them come the trade in line because I know that they're going to have clear holes like they yeah. did last year. Yeah, so the Rangers cap situation right now is that if everything goes well and if they don't have a lot of injuries throughout the season, they will they will end they will end up on deadline day with prorated 4.2 million in cap space max. Okay. Kane's cap it is 5.25. So that means that you need either a third team to to retain salary or you need to give up a player that has a cap hit higher than 1.5 million to make it work. Okay. So unless there is a deal that includes Sammy Blay or Ryan Reeves or Ryan Lindgren or Barkley Goudreau, uh, Capo Caco or Philip Hedl, because those are the guys with bigger cap hits than league minimum. Um, it's just not, it's just not financially. It's not possible. The player that I'd be interested in, but I don't know if if the team is going to make the playoffs or not, and this player would fit under the cap at 50% retained, is Vladimir Tarasenko. Why would they Why would they trade him? Like, like I said, if, if, the Blues why would make, they... if the Blues don't make the playoffs, but Tarasenko at $7 million would have a cap hit at 50% of 3.5. That would fit under the cap for us at the deadline. I would love Vlad, but... Blues are going to make playoffs. Come on. Yeah. 
But Patrick yeah. Kane is Patrick Kane does not fit under the cap. If this was last year, then yeah, go for it. But if you have to pay a third team for salary retention, it just it just becomes too expensive to get Patrick Kane. We, we really need to get um, more. We need to get these guys to start to explode. And Laffy and Kako. They're not yeah. playing bad either. That's the thing. That's one no, thing that I have look, noticed. This is not something, especially within their first couple of years, respectively, mm-hmm. where there were like clear issues. Like Kako's looking the most confident he's ever yeah. been. They're just, they're not, I would I would say that they're close, but they're not at heat level yet, if that makes sense. Um, so it's a slow burn with these kids, especially. And I saw some, I think Johnny in the live show commented this, and he's a hundred percent right. Cause I've always known this too, is that when you draft top guys first or second overall on an already contending team or soon to be contending team, that's like developed naturally, it's going to be more of a slow burn for them in a lot of scenarios, not for every, but especially for the Rangers that unfortunately have been historic with this. Yes. Because they're, again, you saw how, Kako was utilized when he first came in the NHL for his first two years. Mm-hmm. Laffy, you know, similar aspect. These guys are not getting that same type of guaranteed 15 to upwards of 20 minutes a night, first line power play right from okay. the jump. You know, so regardless on their highs and lows, if you're on a rebuilding team, they're still going to give it to you because they have nothing to lose. That's the point. Okay. It's strictly development. For the Rangers, I get, I get that point. I get that point. But what about guys like Seth Jarvis? And Anton Lundell. They weren't and top picks. They weren't top picks, but they're from the same draft classes. Yeah. And they are on really good teams with the same depth the Rangers have. Yeah. And they still get their top six minutes. You know, I, I'm not I'm not saying that the argument is invalid. I'm just saying that, yeah, I understand the argument, but there's a case to be made against it too. And so far I'm not, not disagree with that. So far the season, the last time I looked it up. Alexi Lafreniere ranks 10th in scoring in his draft class and Kako 15th. And for top two picks, that's just not enough. Even if they don't get power play time, that's just not enough. You know what's even more frustrating? That Nils Lundqvist is outproducing both Kako and Lafreniere ahead of tomorrow's game against the Stars. Yeah. He, has four, he has four points. Yep. That is frustrating, especially because it's not even like the guys are forward. So. Yeah, I didn't even want to bring that up, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Davis Douglas says, any Ranger playing better than expected right now? Oh, that is actually a really good question. Um, Hayek? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even joking. Hayek is playing yeah. better than expected. Yeah. he's in the, He doesn't um, look like a complete liability out there. Panarin? I agree. Until last night when McDavid and Dreisaitl had like a monster game, he was leading the league in points with 12. Yeah. Uh, Brett has carried this team in a lot of ways. We're, we're eighteen. Here. We're eight games into the season, and he has twelve. He has twelve points. That is a a a pace of one hundred and twenty, and he looks much better than last season and in the playoffs. He looks fresh. Yeah. And I and I think Vinny Trocheck is not getting the praise that he deserves for the way he's played. Agreed. He's he still looked really good. It's yeah. unfortunately the, with the Rangers' offense slowing down. You always like to. I saw someone too. Who was it? Didn't you tweet it from a schmuck on Facebook saying oh, like, yeah. Trocheck's the reason for like someone in the Facebook group said that Trocheck the reason we lost three in a row. It's okay to be fucking stupid, but you don't got to say it publicly. I mean, like, yeah, you, it's okay. Like, you don't have to announce it to the world. <laughs> we get it. You don't have a high IQ. Okay, understood. Look, On to the next. I think. I think. Zibanejad. Uh, after his first couple of games, and Kreider in general need to be better. Yes, agreed. And one person asked, and then that'll be it for questions for today. Should they break up Kreider and Zibanejad? Yes. How would you and, break it up? And I'm going to explain to you why and how. Last season, Kreider had 52 goals. Uh, 20 of those goals were at even strength. Alexi Lafreniere playing on the third line had 18 goals at even strength. I would love to just swap them. Wait, 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 uh, wait. Laffy had 18 goals last year? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why is that like... I don't... Lafreniere had 19 goals, one on the power play, 18 at even strength. How many points did he have last year? 
Uh, 31. He had 12 assists. Okay. So these, holy shit. Yeah. I knew. Yeah, the I low knew. number of assists I, keeps, keeps that. I forgot. I honestly, I honestly forgot that he was basically a 20 goal scorer last year. That's actually, yeah. it's very basically, good. Very under the radar too. Seriously. <laughs> it is. It is. But look, uh, Kreider, 20 even strength goals on the first line. Lafreniere, 18 even strength goals on the third line. If you swap those two, I don't think Kreider's even strength production takes that big of a hit. As long as you keep him on the first power play unit, he will still get his goals. He had 26 goals on a power play last season. Yep. Um, and Mika, Mika and Brett have just hogged everything on the power play so far. Yeah. Like, and, point production, and so, so. I, would, I would just go all out with a Lafreniere's advantage at Kako first line. A uh, Panarin, Trocek, Kraftsoff second line. And then a third line of Kreider, Hedl, and Goudreau. Where Goudreau is the responsible two-way forward. Hedl is the playmaker. And Kreider is the guy that's going to feast on third line opposition. Doesn't that team just look a million times more deep than what it is right now? It it does look a lot better and, and more balanced that yeah. way, doesn't it? Um, yeah, especially with the Rangers having their lack of depth of the wings. Do you remember yeah. the, the Penguins that won the Cup in 2016 and 2017? Yes. Their first line had Crosby, their second line had Malkin, their third line had Kessel. Yep. The HBK line, Haglin, Bonino, Kessel. Yep. That was their third line. Kessel, um, that line can be what Kreider could be this yeah. year. Yeah. I like that. By the way, like congratulations that. to Kessel for getting the Ironman streak and his 400th career goal in the same game. Yeah. Um, but do you remember the third line in 2014? The Rangers? The, the Rangers third line in 2014 when we made it to the Stanley Cup final. That that goes in hand with today's episode. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So it was Puglia, Brassard, Zuccarello. There you go. And, and they what? were feasting on opponents' third lines. They, that was that was one of the most fun lines I've ever witnessed. It was, man. it was. That's one of the most memorable lines in my in my twenty five to thirty years of watching Ranger Hawk. Does it does it stain that before we know it? It's going to be a decade ago. Oh, dude, shut up! <laughs> don't, I don't. I don't even want to know. <laughs> By the way, uh, four years from now, the Rangers will celebrate their one hundred year anniversary. Holy shit! That's crazy. Okay. Um, one one, yeah. one more one more thing, Stephen. Sure. Who is the other ranger to wear the number 67? I actually know this because oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I used a picture of him during my uh, uh, season countdown over the summer. Oh, of course you did, because you used the most miscellaneous players. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was the uh, the, the legend from Michigan. The the rook it was the rookie number of Cristobal Boo Nieves. Yeah, he went to Michigan, right? Uh, he went to uh, the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I remember that. I think he retired from hockey. I don't think he's playing anywhere at the moment. Oh, I remember that he went to Tampa after the Rangers, just yeah. because it was that still in that process of Tampa mm-hmm. taking every yeah. one of the Rangers had from him, Sean he, Day, uh, etc. He gave up number twenty-four when Kako made the team in twenty nineteen, and he switched to fifteen. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. All right, Stephen. Any final words before we get out of here? Um, look, um, just, a, a, just like a word to people that discuss hockey online, just say what, say whatever you want to say. And, uh, I saw Bob Kawa say this on Twitter today, as long as you don't hurt anyone, express your opinion, say what you want to say about hockey. Just be honest, be open. Don't listen to people that, that, uh, that, that try to talk down to you. Now we all love this game. We love talking about it. And yeah, eight games is early in the season, but we also get frustrated when we lose a game. It's okay to to lash out after a loss. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be disappointed. Don't hold back. Just just talk about hockey the way you want to. Beautifully said, Stephen. And with that being said, that's going to wrap up episode sixty-seven of Rangers Review. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. If you're here on the YouTube channel, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Drop us a comment down below if you listen to this on replay. For everyone, wherever you get your audio podcasts, make sure to rate, review, listen, all that great stuff. Thank you guys all so much. We will see you hopefully back in the next week or so. And until then, as always, Stephen, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers, Tyler.